Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart speaking to you live and direct or (laughs) live and direct in this moment. I don't know when you're listening to this, but from our little tiny little mini cabin out by the lake in the middle of the woods in Sweden. It is the rainiest day today. We've had some really beautiful weather here with the sun shining and lots of time spent outside and Last night, there was a big storm, a serious enough storm to tear our hammock off the trees, which is pretty intense, I feel. (laughs) And today it's just raining. It's just one of those really, really rainy days that honestly, I haven't had a rainy day in so many years. And I mean, a complete rainy day when it doesn't stop raining from morning till evening, you know, that kind of day. My uh, friend the other day or last night, she said, hey, can you check what time it's supposed to rain tomorrow? in case we have to take our cushions in from outside. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? What time? How? People can know what time it's going to rain. Like, what do you mean? She's like, go to that weather app. What do you mean the weather app? She's on your iPhone. You just swipe left and the weather's there. And I'm like, the weather is in my phone? What? (laughs) And she was laughing so hard. She's like, okay, well, it's really obvious or evident that you've been in the Caribbean for 11 years because everywhere else in the world, you check the weather. Like, how else do you know what you're going to wear? And I'm like, well, where I'm from or where I live, it's the same weather every day and I can wear the same clothes (laughs) every single day. I didn't know there was such a thing. I mean, I knew there are weather apps, but such a thing as like knowing what time it's going to rain so you can plan your outfit the next day or plan your clothing and your jackets or non-jackets and whether or not you can leave the couch cushions outside, you know, that kind of stuff. I feel really, I feel like a rookie. I feel like a baby, like a beginner. Like I'm just starting out kind of like relearning what life is like in this part of the world. And it's really, really, it's really fun. It's really special, honestly. And this rainy day today, I mean, this is the thing. So our cabin, and I really want to 
I want to I want to paint you a little word picture. So this cabin, I mean, when I say it's tiny, I really mean it's really tiny. It's it's tiny enough that I worry how Dennis is going to fit here, like how my husband's going to fit here when we get here. So I think it's and I'm winging it. It could be smaller, honestly, but I I would say it's maybe 50 square meters total, which is around like 500 square feet or 520 maybe square feet. I mean, it could be smaller. I had an apartment when I lived in Uppsala many, many lifetimes ago that was 35 square meters. And it I mean, like 350 or something like that square feet. And this feels, it's a little bit bigger than that. Like it has a bigger kind of dining space. And there's this little entrance like nook where you can hang clothes and my apartment didn't have that. So I'm going to go with like 500-ish square feet. And then you know, you, you enter and it's this tiny little, in Sweden, we call it a tambur. It's like the little entrance area where you hang your stuff. And then the dining or like the dining in the kitchen is one and the same. And in the kitchen, there's this really, really, really old school. I'm talking like 300 year old, maybe older stove. That it's like a wood fire stove that you can actually, it has a little oven, like literally it's like a wood fire oven that you burn and you can cook there. It's beautiful. It's really, really special. And then there's also this like modern part of the kitchen that has a little induction plate and it's renovated and it's, you know, it's, it's 1700s, but it's nice. I don't know how to explain that. It's this really beautiful balance between ancient, old, but still really well taken care of and upgraded. Like it's really good. And then there's a little bathroom, a shower, and then we have a little living, like a little living room, tiny little living space, which is where my friend Michaela, who's basically living and co-parenting with me out here in the woods, which I love. She comes every couple days and stays like two, three days. And then she goes back to Stockholm and then she comes back out. It's amazing. And she sleeps down there in the little living space. There's a little like kind of like a pullout-ish couch. And then in the middle of the small little living space, there's a ladder. It's not a staircase. Okay. Like I need to make this, this like distinguish between that. It's basically a ladder. It's almost vertical and it goes straight up into this tiny loft. It's the loft is so low, I can't stand up straight in there. I mean, Dennis is going to have to double over to be upstairs for sure. Leia can stand up straight, which is great. But it spans almost over the entire house. So it's pretty spacious in terms of like actual width and size. So big enough to have like a really big, like two by two meter bed. And I'm kind of every day like reorganizing and redecorating and moving things around and trying to find the most optimal way for us to live because, you know, there's no closet. There's not a single closet in the house. There's no place to put your clothes. There's basically no storage at all. It's just so tiny. Everything is one tiny little space. You know, it's like everything is a little nook kind of. And we are really far away from things, you know, like we're right by this amazing lake and in the middle of the forest, and it's just nature. And, you know, when the weather's good or good enough, I mean, right now it's like super intense winds and pouring rain. So we will brave the rain and go outside for a little bit, but it's not like we're going to spend the day outside when it's like this. You know, you can't. But most of the days we are outside, even if it's really cold, we just dress up like we put out, we dress up, is that the word? <laughs> we just put on a bunch of, we bundle up, I guess. We put on a bunch of, bunch of layers and, Last couple of weeks, it's been getting warmer too. But on a day like today, whole entire day is raining. I'm starting to really think like, okay, you know, what do we do? 
living in this kind of space when, when we can't really be outside, you know, because it's so, so, so small. So today we've had a really long, slow breakfast, played jazz, you know, there's always like jazz playing in this little cabin, drinking tea, lighting candles, you know, Leia's watched a little movie, like we've just had a really kind of cozy morning. And the thing about, about living in a cabin in the middle of nowhere is you can't just decide, you know, that, oh, today, today we don't like this kind of living, you know. Let's go, let's go to the cinema. Let's go to a cafe. Let's go out to eat. Let's go shopping. You know, let's meet some friends. No, we don't have, we don't have any of those options. You know, everything is really far away. So I'm, I'm sitting with this now and I'm sharing this now because part of my dream of, of maybe potentially moving to Sweden, right, is to live in this way. I mean, it doesn't have to be a 500 square meter cabin, you know, but it's really to live in nature. I don't want to live in the city. Not a bone in my body yearns to be in the city. Not at all. Like I want to live just how we're living here. If I could, I would stay in this exact place forever. I mean, I I really would. (laughs) I really would. And I'm, I'm kind of dreaming of that, but it feels like a faraway dream. But I'm thinking about that, you know, is this the kind of lifestyle that we can really, that we can really sustain that's really true for us and good for us. And 95% of the time, I feel so unbelievably convinced that this is where spirit has called me to be. You know, this is where we are meant to be. I can sense it. I feel it with every kind of, oh, I feel it in my body and my heart and my soul. And then comes that little, little challenge, like a little nudge of like, but what if, you know, what if Dennis doesn't like it? What if... What if Leia is lonely in a space like this? You know, what if winter comes along, which is a certainty, you know, October through March in Sweden is not, you know, it's not the funnest place to be. It gets dark and it gets really dark and the the darkness is long and it gets cold and there's months and months where where it's not really snow, you know, but it's also not warm. So it's just wet and muddy and kind of, you know, chilly and not super fun. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I'm contemplating all of this now because I've reached a place on this journey of this year where I really need to make some decisions. You know, I really, (laughs) I I can't just wing it forever. If I didn't have a four-year-old, I could definitely i could i could wing it we could just figure it out along the way but i have a 4 year old child who's increasingly needing stability and routine and to know you know where she lives she needs to know and i'm trying to figure that out and i i can't as as the way i am now i i don't know i if if i could only choose for me what do i want i don't know where i want to live i don't know what's best for just me i don't know what's best for the family i don't know whose needs to prioritize. It's really, really hard. And 
even though it's it's the dreamiest place here and I feel that every day I also wish I had a little bit more structure right now I wish I knew okay we have a we have a permanent place in Sweden let's make that a home you know or we have the possibility of of doing that let's make that a home let's focus on that or we're gonna go back to Aruba in August and Leia will go to school in her regular school and okay we have a home there that we're figuring out but we don't So there's a lot of that feeling of just floating in uncertainty right now, which is kind of, you know, we have an eclipse. We have a super blood moon eclipse this week. Actually, it's today. I'm recording this. It's Wednesday. It's happening today. And eclipses are really, you know, can be really destabilizing, like this feeling that the earth is shaking beneath you again, you know, especially if you were going through something earlier this year or a couple of months ago and you've been processing it and settling a little bit, eclipses tend to shake up that thing that you felt like you had just settled into. And that's what I'm feeling right now. I feel like like this week I'm really called to question my decisions right now. You know, is this good for me, for her, for him, for us? And I think the most or one of the most challenging things about all of this is it's it's really hard, and I know I'm not alone in this, it's really hard to make decisions just for yourself. And that's something that I'm 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 really trying to to learn. I know you're you're gonna resonate with this, or I know so many of you listening are resonating with this. It it is really hard to make a decision that's just for us, right? Just for our own well-being, just for what we want. If I were to completely put my own needs aside and just focus on Leia. Yeah, it's still unclear. I feel like if I had a really clear answer there, would she be happier in Aruba or in Sweden? I actually don't know. I know she has her school in Aruba and the and stability there and friends there. And, you know, like that's the one stability, point of stability that, that she still has is that school. And it's such a good school. It's so good this Montessori that she goes to there. So if I were to just focus on her, probably I would say, okay, let's just, let's just figure this out in Aruba and go back. And then maybe the dream of Sweden happens some other time. Right. But I think about that as a possibility as, and my whole being just resists it. (laughs) My whole being just kind of rejects it. I, I don't want to go back not being able to eat any organic foods. <laughs> okay, that might sound might sound super arrogant of me or, or super privileged of me to say, but having spent now, how, how long have we been here? Almost an entire, have we been here an entire month? Yeah, over a month we've been in Sweden eating all organic foods, all organic vegetables. And food cost here has not has been cheaper than, than what we normally spend on food in Aruba by far. I mean, I'm spending way less here course there's two of us instead of three of us but also just in terms of how we're eating and and things like that the idea of going back to that not knowing that you know how we're detoxifying our bodies right now in this way just the availability of really healthy foods Aruba doesn't have that we don't have we don't have we don't have it it's just not there you know there isn't organic farming and there isn't it's not that kind of culture and here I'm literally getting my vegetables down the road. <laughs> you know, even when I go to the grocery store, the closest one, I can tell, like, because I, I only pick the organic things that are there and they're all from this area. Like it's grown right here. 
and I can really pick and choose and we're eating seasonally. Like what's in season right now? That's what we're eating. We're not eating something shipped from 5,000 miles away. We're just eating from here, from the land, which is this yearning that I have to live off the land, to be connected with the land and living this kind of way where everything I'm eating is I don't know how it was grown or how how it was produced, how it got to my plate. I don't know the chemicals involved in that process along the way. There's a disconnect there between me and my food. And and that I can feel as it's like a it feels like a basic human need to me right now. It feels as necessary as like clean water. Like I need I need to I need to know that this food is is grown here in a way that's supportive of this earth in a way that's supportive of our health. And in Aruba, that is impossible. It just is, you know. You can go on vacation and have the best time and you can spend some time picking and choosing at the grocery store. There's health food aisles and things like that. But sustainably long-term for an entire life, no, it's not the same. So that feels like a big challenge, you know. And Dennis and I made the decision. So the house is near, it's 95% finished now. And completely remediated, completely renovated, completely finished, you know, floor to roof. And we've decided we're going to Airbnb the house while we're figuring out what to do with our lives. So while we're in Sweden, we'll rent and hopefully we can recuperate some of the money lost. Nothing was covered by insurance. So everything has been out of savings, which has been a really, really challenging thing for us. And since everything we own literally is out of the house, you know, we don't have one single personal belonging left in the house. It's, it seemed like the easiest thing to try. And a really good friend of Dennis, he does that for a living. It's just his business. He Airbnbs houses and he's supporting us and helping us there. So it feels like a fun opportunity, kind of, you know, we're not there anyway. But then it, there's this big question of, you know, do we decide to move our lives back in? And then it's, that's it. Then we're, then we're living in Aruba. Or do we follow this kind of scarier, more uncertain path that feels much more aligned to me? And we moved to Sweden. And I let this be kind of the last step of the heroine's journey, this big return where I come back to the home I left so many years ago. It's almost 15 years ago that I left, 14 years ago that I left, which is wild. And I don't know. And if I, I really want to just think of myself, if I was alone, yeah, I would stay here. And I was talking about this in therapy also, you know, just to really, she was, my therapist was helping me guide just what do you really want? Because it's a hard thing to know what we really want. It's a hard thing to know what our hearts really want, especially if we have families, especially if we have kids. As a parent, it's near impossible to distinguish our needs from our children's needs because our children's needs are going to come first. That's how we are. And I mean, it's just human nature. And honestly, I want to, I want to get better at that. Our needs are always going to be hugely important, but I don't want to be the kind of mom that sacrifices herself for her kid. I don't, I really don't want, I have no interest in, in teaching her that that's how to be a woman. That's how to be a mother is you put all of your own needs away, you know, and you sacrifice your own well-being for the sake of other people. Like what kind of a, what am I teaching her by doing that? No, I don't want that. I know I will teach her to put herself first and to take great care of herself. And I will teach her boundaries by showing her boundaries and by setting boundaries for myself in terms of what I need to take care of myself. But it's hard. It's hard. 
And what came up for me when I was really sitting with this and breathing into this was I can remember being her age and she's coming, coming into this really critical age ancestrally or generationally in terms of what I went through when I was little, right when I was four and a half and she's going to be four and a half in a couple months. When I was four and a half, my stepdad passed away in this really tragic he was a, a fighter pilot in the in the Swedish army and he passed away in a plane crash, which was, you know, one of the first early really traumatic experiences of my life that really changed the course of my life and was the beginning of, of what I what I can recognize now as this lifelong feeling of of everything unraveling, this lifelong feeling I've had in my life that everything is out of control, that I'm not safe, that we are not okay. You know, it was the beginning of, not not the beginning even, it was a trigger for my mom's mental illness and and her suicide attempts and the many, many, you know, the lifetime of struggle that followed since then. And that feeling of being four and a half and feeling like your entire life has been ripped from from beneath your feet, feeling this complete loss of safety in every single way, feeling like... You don't know where home is, you know, which I didn't for so many years. Honestly, for so much of my life, we moved so often when I was little from place to place to place to place to place. You know, I changed schools so many times. And that feeling that I always had was on a whim, my mom would uproot us and we would go, right? Like I lived with my with my mom and my dad when I was really little. And even then, when I was one, two, three, like that three, like that kind of age, we moved a bunch of times which is hard for a kid. It really is. It's, you know, as a child, we have our, our safety and structure and stability and all of that is in the home, right? And our things and what we know as facts and truth and security and the walls and the roof and the floor of our, ho- our house, right? So to have that kind of, you know, being uprooted so much when you're really little, even if you're super little, I think that's hard. And if you have a really stable home life with parents that are super structured and stable and safe, and you know that you're okay with them, you know that they're okay with you, you're going to be that anchor for them, right? But I didn't have that. I had a dad that wasn't present when I was little and a mom that wasn't well. So, and then, you know, she met this, this guy and fell head over heels and loved and we moved again and had our whole entire lives uprooted and went to the south of Sweden so that she could be happy with him. And and my whole life, I kind of, I, I my whole life, I've made these excuses in a way for my mother. It's been really important to me that, that I'm able to uphold my mom in this light of she's the best mom. She's perfect. She does no wrong. She does no harm. And it took me a lot of therapy and a lot of years of adulthood even, to realize that there is a psychological term for what I was suffering through with my mom my entire life. It's called enmeshment. Enmeshment is, and it's usually with a parent, if you have a parent that has that is mentally ill or if you have a parent that suffers from addiction, when you confuse your own being, your own 
sense of self with your parents, right? When you become so interconnected with your caregiver or your guardian or your parent or a person in your life that you can no longer distinguish between your own well-being and theirs. You can no longer distinguish between your own wants and needs and theirs. And it becomes impossible to, to set any kind of boundaries in your own life. So for a long time when I was little, someone would ask me, how are you doing? And I would think, how's my mom doing? That's, that's, I thought that was the answer to that question, for full on. I thought that the answer to the question, how are you, was how's my mom? Because that's how I would gauge how life was. Is life okay? Is it not okay? Is it scary? Does it feel safe? Is how is she doing? Where in that stage of her illness is she, right? And that kind of enmeshment, you know, it's, <laughs> it becomes, it's the word I'm looking for, it becomes becomes impossible to grow up into an adult that knows how to take care of themselves if you're enmeshed with a parent or with a family member because your entire awareness and energy is going to always be left with them so instead of how can I take care of myself the question becomes how can I take care of them instead of how can I make sure I'm safe it becomes how can I make sure that they're safe because by extension when they're safe you feel safe when they are grounded you feel grounded right when they're okay and not suicidal, and not wanting to die, and not crying all day, your life feels a little more manageable, right? So their needs become greater and bigger than your own. And for me, my whole life, I had this really, it was so important for me to protect my mom, to never speak ill of her, you know, to never, ever, ever question her. Never in my life could I question her. It always felt like a betrayal, even to say, you know, if, even if she would do something outrageous, something really harmful, something truly awful, right? I could never acknowledge to myself that, that something bad had happened, that she had made a mistake or that she had done something wrong or she had done something that harmed me because that meant betraying her and betraying her meant she might unravel and that would threaten my whole sense of survival, right? My whole sense of, of safety was in her loving me and being present and being there and not abandoning me and being okay. So I had to make excuses that all everything was normal. Everything was fine. Everything was great. She was the best at everything. When truth be told, a lot of the times she felt really short. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm walking around today feeling like, feeling a lot of blame or feeling a lot of, oh, she was a terrible mother and oh my God, I hate her or any kind of feelings like that. It's just stating a fact. I, I can kind of, I can hold that without a lot of emotion today. I really can. Just, oh, you know, I had a, I had a parent that wasn't mentally well. It wasn't her fault. And it wasn't my fault. But I spent most of my life thinking it was my fault and my responsibility to fix. And that's the issue. So something like the fact that I moved every two years of my entire life, every, I mean, for, for the first, I think, six years of my life with Dennis, for the first six years of our relationship, once a year, my mom moved. So every time we visited from Aruba to Sweden, we would visit my mom in a new place, in a new apartment, in a new house. And I would always say, even as an adult at that time, you know, I'm like mid-20s to Dennis. Yeah, my mom, she's just, she loves to shake it up. You know, she loves to decorate. She loves to make spaces cozy. So that's why she moves so often, you know, because she just, and now I can think about that now. And I'm like, man, I had to make excuses for her like that my whole life. Like, 
you know, and she still had young kids then when I was at that age, like teenagers who live at home. And I remember that feeling being little. I remember five, three, four, five, six, until I was 13, you know, that child, little Rachel, the feeling of being dragged from place to place, the feeling of being almost like I was a rag doll. And I was like holding on to, to, to my mom's like coat pocket as she, as a tornado just kind of moved from place to place and met a guy and met another guy and divorced that guy and had a baby with this one and changed jobs over here. And we moved from place to place to place to place, right? And I had no choice but to follow along. I had no choice but to say, yes, this is good. Yes, this is all good. This is all, everything is well. This is all happening for reasons that make sense. Because I had to, I had to protect that in us and in her. And when I was, when I'm doing this practice now of just even that, even like, should we move to Sweden, which is one move in Leia's life, right? And it's coming after these months of Airbnb going from place to place. And it's not the same. And I can recognize that it is not the same. And not just because it's not like we're moving and then starting a new school and living there for two years or one year and then moving again in, in terms of, of how challenging that would be for a child or how challenging that was for me. And it's, you know, it's a period of our lives that is out of my control. And I'm sure a lot of this, you know, when, when I was little felt like it was out of my mom's control too, I'm sure, you know. And a lot of it relates to, to probably being really challenged and in, in feeling supported and being able to make sound decisions, right, as a single parent. But I can feel that feeling of complete out-of-control helplessness, that feeling of up, being uprooted, of I'll have to start another school now, again. That feeling of I have to say goodbye to all my friends now, again. And that feeling of also my mom trying to make it exciting, like you get to choose a new color paint. What do you want for this room? And me knowing, you know, at seven, like this is bullshit, you know, the, the, choosing a new color paint for my room. It doesn't make up for any of this, but I had to go along and go, yeah, this is exciting and this is fun, but it wasn't fun. It was scary as hell. It was scary as hell. It was shit. And that feeling in me, you know, the, the mere possibility of, of passing some of that on to Leia by maybe making the wrong decision now, right? What if I choose, okay, I'm going to go with this big gut feeling now and what feels like universal alignment and we're going to give Sweden a try, right? We can always, we don't have to do this big permanent, we're uprooting Aruba and we're, we'll never come back there and we're going to live in Sweden now for the rest of our days. It doesn't have to be that way. Of course we can do, hey, let's give Sweden a year, you know, she's four. She's in this age now where school-wise, you know, we don't have to commit to one thing. It's like when she's seven, eight, yes, you know, we can not move her around like that. And I don't want to move her around like that either now. I don't want to hop around. I want to find a home. I want to find a home, permanent home to live, to set those roots in a real way. But the feeling or just the mere possibility that I might fuck this up now I might make a choice that I feel is really for me, like really, oh, like I feel it, you know, and we give Sweden a try. And what if it doesn't work out? What if, what if after a year it's bad, you know, what if my old family drama and traumas here with people, with family, with my mom, for, for instance, it's, it's a big play, like silent player in this because 
as as you know, or I, I mean, I'm not talking, I don't, haven't spoken about this that much, barely anything, but we haven't spoken in a year and a half, right? So what if I fuck it up? What if we try Sweden and it's not good? It's bad. It doesn't work out. And then, okay, we have to go back to Aruba. Then have I done that to her then, right? Is she going to have that feeling of that ragdoll bounce around, no control, like dragging her from place to place? Like there's no way I will risk putting her through that. No way. No way. That was, (sighs) no. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bowlinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And as I sit with this, and also as I talk about this and as I process this, I can recognize the difference, right? The difference is that I'm a really stable parent, right? I am mentally well, I'm here, I'm present, you know, her life isn't an unsafe place for her to be. Our lives isn't filled with with horror and scary things. No, it's not filled with with death and with separation and abandonment and no she, she hasn't had that right she's had a really safe really stable life and then we have this thing we found toxic mold in our house it's an uncontrollable thing that I cannot that I did the best I could with every step of the way right so I also know that since she's stable and she has a completely different upbringing a completely different family structure completely different life than I had when I was little she has two present loving parents right there for her every moment of the day probably what was a trauma for me or several traumas like connecting to each other won't be for her probably you know that if I remain stable and present in her life that that she will feel safe that how we live and you know what's going on in the circumstance it's not as important as it was for me when I was that age you know for me knowing that I didn't have safety in those family dynamics And like, I don't know if my mom's going to be okay today. I don't know if my mom's going to want to be alive tomorrow. Like, I don't know if my dad's going to come back ever. Not having anyone, right? Not having any, any stability that was real, true stability. Even when my mom did her best, it just wasn't there. And it's not, you know, not anything anyone can change at this point. And not something I think that happened out of malice or, you know, I think I genuinely think she did the best she could. But I finally arrived at a place in my adulthood when I can say without feeling like I'm betraying her or without feeling like I'm, I'm risking loss somehow, you know, that she fell really short. And it's a parent's job to take care of their kids, not their kid's job to take care of their parents. And even when I say that, <laughs> even when I say that, I feel like there's a part of me that feels like, but that's not really true right? It's deeply ingrained in my entire nervous system that actually it is my job to take care of her because that's what I did my whole life. That's what I thought my purpose was in this life, right? And no matter what, no matter what harmful things came, you know, my way from her, I protected that, you know, 
Like I can talk to friends now who've been with me in adulthood, witnessing just insane, absolutely unhinged, crazy things go on that have been so harmful and knowing that they were not able to step in and say anything because if they did, I would become angry with them. You know, so I have friends today that go, but hey, you know, remember when that happened and you were like, but this is fine. This is fine. And, and everyone knew this is not fine. I don't have to get into details of drama, but that's kind of what things were even in adulthood for me, that, that incessant need to make excuses and to cover up and to make, make it look like everything's okay because I couldn't risk admitting that she wasn't okay. Things were not okay. This relationship wasn't okay and hadn't ever really been okay. You know what I mean? That's kind of the thing that's been, because we had this dynamic of, especially as I, as I became an adult, as I had Leia, where we had a lot of these feelings of, or ideas of, but there's been healing now. I don't, I don't think that that's actually even true. What I think was there is that I healed, right? I did a lot of work in healing my own traumas from my own childhood, which meant I could interact with my mother in, a, in an easier way. And it felt like healing between us. But it wasn't that way, you know? Like not once, and even, you know, speaking as, a, as someone who has a parent who's a recovering alcoholic, right? Who's done the whole 12 steps and talks about sobriety every day of their lives and, you know, sponsors people and mentors people and consults people and stuff like that. Speaks about making amends, you know? That's one of the 12 steps in this 12-step program. I never received that. Never, not one time was there an acknowledgement of here's what happened in our past or here's where I fucked up or I'm sorry, or any of those things that took place with all of the other people in, in our in our lives, right? Like we, can, I can really like, like there was a whole area of 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 her life where you know that time when you, anyone has been through that program, AA I think is amazing, and the structure of AA is is truly beautiful. Anyone struggling with addiction, it's it's the place to go, right? And then there's this whole step of when you make amends and you literally sit with what are all the things all the all the times in my life where I fell short or where where I messed up where I fucked up where I lied where I did harm right and you go to those people in your life and you make amends and that doesn't mean that those people didn't also fuck up right it doesn't mean that me personally in my dynamic toward her for instance has been perfect every step of the way right but I'm the child and this is where I've been so mistaken for most of my life. I've had this feeling that even when things are wrong, almost like my responsibility is greater. I have to be more forgiving. I have to show more grace. I have to show more love because she's the one who struggles the most, right? I have to love her even more. But it's not true. I'm the child, right? The responsibility to be parented should be in her hands, not in mine, and even in those moments, you know, that whole step of making amends, like even my, you know, stepdads and like people in, 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 in our lives that I felt were really like ex-stepdads that were not even in our lives anymore. They got a phone call, right? They got that conversation of, hey, even just the acknowledgement of here, are, are, here is something, one thing that wasn't okay. And, and I see that now. It never happened for me. 
never. And then I was, you know, kind of in this like public place of being in that, you know, being a public person with a, with, with a whole family that's kind of been public with me on social media, talking about healing and talking about, you know, she used to say, oh, we need to do these retreats, these mother-daughter retreats where we just share everything that we've been through and share tools. And, and she would say things like that. And my whole entire body would just, you know, like I would go back to Dennis and be like, this is, this can never happen. This can never happen. And, and I always had such a hard time saying no to her because saying no would mean to anger her, right? So I would always say yes. Everything was always say yes. I had no boundaries whatsoever. So sometimes, and I can recognize that now as like I was, I was like trying to self-help myself, but I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of what I was trying to do. But when I knew there was an area that was a hard no, but I couldn't set the boundary with her because I never could set any boundaries of any kind. I had, I was enmeshed, right? I had no boundaries. I didn't know what was her, what was me. I would tell people in my life. I would tell Dennis. I would tell my best friends, help, help me. Like I would, I would say, hey, this is something that you need to promise me. You help me make sure can never, ever, ever happen, right? So that, for instance, an example of that would be, oh, okay, she wants to do a, a healing retreat for mothers and daughters. And I know that this is this relationship is the most fucked up relationship I have. There's nothing, nothing here that should be passed on to other people, right? No way. I'm not whole. This is still harmful. But I didn't have the bravery. I didn't have the courage to draw that line in the sand with her because it meant enraging her, right? It also meant separating from her and actually saying, hey, here are my needs and my wants. And I feel like this relationship isn't good, right? And that was too big of a risk for me to take in that enmeshed state because it meant risking risking losing her, right? Risking angering her, risking aggravating her, risking triggering her, like all of this. I couldn't do it. It was, it was like an impossibility. So I would ask other people in my life for help, make sure this never happens. And they would be like, of course, of course, of course, everyone can see that this is not, you know, like it's almost like, like I try to, I even try to explain this to, yeah, to people in my life, kind of like if, looking at it from the outside, but you guys were always so close and then you cut her out of your life and now it's been over a year and you're still, you still don't have a relationship. Like how, how did you, how did, how did you get to that place? You know, how did you one day wake up and go, I can't have this person in my life. And this is really important for anyone listening who feels like they want to set a boundary with a parent. And also for any parents listening, not understanding why their children are trying to set boundaries with them, because I get a lot of mothers from that generation who I know are struggling with their adult kids today, upset with me, you know, who write me like, you've been in Sweden now, I haven't seen anything from your mom. How can you treat her this way, right? Like, like me choosing to, to remove her from my life, like it's something that I've done for kicks or something that wasn't carefully thought through or something that wasn't you know pushed to the edge of the brink of of all of life it was kind of like at the end of it it was I have it's life or death for me now I cannot exist and be a whole person in this relationship that's that's the thing any child that chooses to take you know remove their parents from their lives if it's temporary or permanent or in the gray area of not knowing what you want or just choosing time, like that happens because of survival, a need for survival. It's not something that you do lightly. Like I'm pissed at you now. 
I'm cutting you out of my like that doesn't happen that way for children our parents are our entire lives especially as kids our survival literally depends on our parents loving us and being there for us so rejecting them when we're little it's an impossibility we cannot no matter what harm your parents cause you as a kid you cannot reject them even if your parents you're abused right physically mentally psychologically abused neglected you can have the worst things happen to you from the hands of your parents you're not going to reject them as a child because you depend on them for life it's literally how you survive so we do, we cultivate this blind love for those people in our lives where it doesn't matter what they do we will love them anyway and this is this beautiful survival mechanisms of our little beings as children is we will love our parents no matter how they fuck up but then eventually you know there has to be some great moment of recognition of that harm a recognition of the, of the toxic things in that relationship and most of all most important of all that harm has to stop You can't heal from something and forgive someone for something if it's still happening today. And that's the case between me and my mom. It wasn't like, here is all the things that weren't right when I was little and now things are good. No, there was still so much harm there. Not physical harm, not in, any, not in that kind of way ever, but there was so much harm there still coming my way as an adult. So many boundaries crossed, so many things. <sighs> that it's not gonna, it's not helpful for me to go into the details of that, but a continuous string of things that were not okay, you know? So how can you possibly heal from the things that happened when you were little if they're still happening today, if there's still not a, a change or a shift or a growth there? You can't. So when a parent decides to cut, or when a child decides to cut a parent out of their lives, that's happening because they're trying to survive, right? They're trying to choose themselves maybe for the first time in their entire lives. And it doesn't mean that their parents didn't try their best, that there wasn't also love there, that there wasn't also lots of great moments there and feelings of family and togetherness. Like it doesn't negate that. But what it means is that the harm done and the trauma and the pain, it's just bigger, right? Or it feels bigger because it's so unhealed. It's still at the surface. It's like this wound that runs really deep. And every time your parents do something to trigger that, it's like the scab is ripped, off, ripped open and you have to begin the healing process all over again. And that's what it was like for me as an adult. It was just over and over and over and over again. And it was, it was absolutely draining. It was draining my life force from every part of my being. It's impossible to live like that. Impossible. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. So, you know, anyone who's under this impression that I'm just like ignoring my mom or on a whim cut her out and I should be kinder and I should, you know, I, I don't owe her that. I'm not the parent, I'm the child, right? I also don't owe my mom a relationship with her granddaughter. There's nothing, not, not a part of this equation where she's owed that, where I have to sacrifice myself to somehow make a relationship between my daughter and her possible. Like I'm going to be this, I don't know, like put myself in a harmful enough position that I have to be this silent person that my mom has to you know, overcome or climb over to get to my daughter so that she can be a grandma. Like there's a lot of reparation that can happen here, but it has to happen with me. And I have no interest playing that role, you know. And that's also the case for someone who isn't mentally well, you know. Do you want to put your, your four-year-old in that? No. I have no, I have no interest in doing that. I have an interest in, you know, potentially at least investigating, I guess, the possibility of of healing there, but it's not healing between Leia and her, right? Not at all. It's healing between her and me. And so far there hasn't been any there hasn't been any um yeah, no wanting of that over there, you know, none, none. And that's the challenging part of the challenging part of dealing with family dynamics when something is really off is that oftentimes both parties are speaking from this place of pain and it becomes really challenging. It becomes really hard to listen, right? And I think that's where she's at now is that no matter what I say, it's really hard for her to objectively hear me. And for me, as long as I'm not heard or seen, I have no interest in, in pursuing a relationship, right? And I'm, I'm sharing this now because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you guys, I get a lot of questions about that. How do I set a boundary? And I know you set a boundary with your mom and she used to be really present in my social media and things like that. And now clearly she's not, but we had an agreement in that we wouldn't speak of each other publicly, right? I wanted that and she wanted that. So that was an agreement we made beginning of March of last year when we separated and I have upheld that the entire time, but she has not. And I get a lot of, a lot of people reaching out whenever there's a yeah, whenever she's in a public space sharing something or answering questions about why I cut her out of my life and she's making things up of why she thinks that is, but she never once asked me why, right? Can you believe that? Not one time did she ask, hey, why did you feel you needed space, right? Not one time. Or what is something that would be helpful for you now for us to find our way back together? Or not, not one inquiry, right? So it's been challenging for me to be on the outside of that and then hear from people how she's, yeah, putting words in my mouth, I guess, or speaking on my behalf. There was this, <laughs> Rachel cut me out because she w- she didn't like that I had a podcast of my own. She was jealous of my podcast. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? How? <laughs> how, is, how is this a conversation? How is this a thought even, you know? And how lovely it would be to have that question asked, you know, hey, let's talk about that. I would love to share that, but that has never once, that has never once been brought to me, you know, 
So things like that. And I realized that was actually in this last week, just of, in talking about this, when people are reaching out and, hey, I heard, did you know your mom said this or your mom did that? And and it's overwhelming, honestly. To the Honestly, the, the true feeling is it feels really unsafe. That's the feeling of an unpredictable. It's, I don't know how she is. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know if she's well. I don't know what she's saying. I don't know how she's talking about me and this. And it feels really unpredictable. Like any moment there can just be a, yeah, like I'm under, like I'm, like I'm not safe in that relationship, even though I am not in that relationship anymore. I removed myself from the equation, but still I'm not safe, right? And that feeling isn't, isn't a good feeling at all. And I was talking about that this week because it felt really important. And it occurred to me that, oh, but, and someone asked, but how, you spent all this time, you didn't do a single podcast on this topic. You didn't mention her in any, any channel, even one time. Why? You know, especially since she's not honoring that agreement at all and hasn't for many months, you know. And I sat with that. Well, why? Well, <laughs> I don't want to betray her. It's still that same little girl feeling of, I don't want to anger her. I don't want her to be angry. I don't want to trigger her. I don't want to have more drama. I don't want, I'm still, I'm still that little four-year-old protecting my mom. And every time I choose that over choosing what's best for myself, I'm going back into that dynamic again, even though I stepped out of the relationship. So even talking about this now really from my own heart is, is choosing myself, right? This is me choosing me. And it's one of those things that when you've been enmeshed, when you've had a, a parent with a mental illness or an addiction, it's very, very hard to know what your wants are, what your needs are, because the go-to is always to look at well, what do other people need? It's almost like you're not at home in yourself because you weren't allowed that when you were little. So you, you kind of make homes in other people by meeting their needs and taking care of them and fixing things for them. So it's a practice, right? It really is a practice. Every single time I take a breath and I redirect and I go, well, hey, 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 what about me? And even in this big question that I started this podcast with, where are we supposed to live, right? And I know, and I can, and I know this is, this is it. If I, if I were to make a choice just for Leia, yeah, we would go back to Aruba in August and live in a rental there or, yeah, eat the non-organic foods and the glyphosate and live in the air conditioning and have that kind of life that I, that I actually don't feel is, is where I'm meant to be. But I would do that for her. I would sacrifice that and do that for her. When actually what I want, and I mean, I, I tear up saying this because it's hard to to allow myself this wanting it's really hard to allow myself this dream because it's just for me I'm not even sure Dennis wants this to be honest you know I mean we I gave Aruba 11 years and he said that many times you gave Aruba 11 years like I'll give Sweden a try I know he will but he'll do that for me it's like he will make that sacrifice of leaving his home he loves Aruba he wants to live there he would make that sacrifice for me. And for me, it's really uncomfortable to have other people sacrifice things for me because I'm the one who's normally in that role, right? I'm comfortable in that role. I've done it my whole life. 
So allowing for that or, or standing up really firmly and saying, here's my need right now. You know, I want to live in the woods. Like, I mean, I'm looking out the window right now. It is pouring fucking rain. It is pouring rain. It's gray. It's not a sunny summer day, you know? Can't even step foot outside. Couldn't even walk Ringo today. He refused to go outside. (laughs) He refused to go outside because the weather is so shitty. It is cold. It is rainy. And I want to live here with every bone in my body. I want to live here. And I can't not get very emotional about that because it feels like something I'm not allowed to do. It feels like something I'm not allowed to say or something I'm not allowed to have for myself because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. It, it's, not, it's not the smartest decision. It's not the thing that's the best for Leia or the best for Dennis or the best for the business or what about the studio? What about life? You know, money, like all of this. It's not, it's not for anybody else, right? It's not for my blood family here. No, not at all. It really is something just for me. And I get so emotional even contemplating, dreaming that dream just because it's just for me. (sighs) Like it's not for fucking anybody else. It's not for anyone else's convenience or because it's smart or because it's a sound thing to do or, you know, it is crazy. Even the thought of, (laughs) like I was thinking to, rent this little 500 square foot cabin you know let's rent this for a year and it's like there's not even a second room like there's Leia wouldn't even have a room there's no place I can record the podcast like there's no like Dennis can't go bike and like be with his friends like it's it's very inconvenient you know to everybody else to want to live here but I really want to live here. And it feels almost, it feels almost shameful to say that, that I know that maybe this isn't the best decision for everybody else, but I really want it. And, you know, can I ask for that? Can I have something just for myself? Can I dream something just for me? And also, you know, trust that, it's also going to be good for Leia and Dennis, which I know I can, you know, we would find a great, there's a Montessori here for Leia. There's two actually within 20 minutes, you know, and Dennis is a community builder, you know, and everywhere he goes, he makes friends. Like I know, you know, he would also, he would also be okay. It's just strange, this feeling of urgency to make a strange decision just for me that doesn't make sense for any other reason than that it's it's what I want (laughs) and then I'm here this morning and I was like whoa it's raining what if this is not going to work what if I'm kidding myself with this dream and this is a dream that works in the summer when it's sunny and we can be outside but come fall come winter this is going to be awful and I'm putting my family in an awful place and And then we will end up going back to Aruba. And then I did that thing to my daughter that my mom did to me that I'm so terrified of doing to her. 
and I'm just going to uproot her and she's going to be traumatized and I'm going to be a shitty mom and everything's going to turn to shit. Like I woke up like that this morning, you know, that's really why I started, <laughs> that's why I started painting you that word picture in the beginning of the show. <laughs> like this is where I am. It's kind of odd that I'm here, you know, <laughs> like we should be in Stockholm where I can have an office next to all the people on the yoga girl team who work for yoga girl every day and you know where I can teach classes and I can do interviews and I can have cool people come on the show and you know Leia can do a bunch of stuff and we can go and you know have some action and Dennis can bike every day and, and it's like no <laughs> that I don't want that at all I don't want that at all I want to live in this tiny little cabin in the middle of nowhere even when it rains. So maybe that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh my God. Listening to this show must be like... <sighs> I was going to put myself down just now. Like listening to this show must be like listening to a, someone who's completely unhinged and all over the place. But... Actually, I think listening to this show is like being reminded of what it's like to be human. You know, this is how we make sense of life. This is how I make sense of life. And this is how you make sense of life too. And I'm really grateful that you're here listening to this and giving me this space to process and kind of feel like I, I don't feel like we're holding hands, you and I right now, but I feel like I can, if I close my eyes, I can feel your hands on my back, just like this quiet support, you know, even though you and I, and I mean you listening, we're not drinking a cup of tea together now, sitting on the same couch in this cabin, but I can feel this silent feeling of, of just support, like your hands on my back, like presence. That's what it feels like recording this show. You listening to this podcast mean, feels like presence to me. And I'm really grateful for that. And if any of the things I shared in this show, you know, if it's triggering you to move deeper inside of yourself when it comes to contemplating your own family dynamics, your own triggers, your own pain, relationships, parents. I mean, we all have our own way of going about things and I'm going about things the only way I know how, which is my way, right? And you'll find your way. And it's really helpful, really, really, really helpful to be in this practice of choosing you. That's all I know with certainty, you know? I'm not saying that everyone should cut their parents out of their lives if the relationship is shit. I'm sure that's not for everyone. But for me, it's the best thing I've ever done because it was the only way to choose myself. I could have never done that in that relationship. It was impossible. It was an impossibility. There is no healing for me there. And it doesn't mean that it's futile and for the rest of my life, I will never have my mother in my life ever again. And you know, I think the possibility for healing is always there. But what I know now is that that responsibility actually isn't mine. And that's a relief to know. And for you too, that you're the child, they're the parent. The role of parenting is theirs, not yours. 
and you choosing yourself and choosing what's best for you, it's going to feel like betrayal, but it's actually the greatest act of love you can ever, ever hold. It's not betrayal, it's love. Every time you choose yourself, it's love. And you're worthy of that. You are worthy of love. Thank you for listening and tuning in with me today. I appreciate you so much. Have a wonderful rest of this week and I'll see you next Friday. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And of course, thank you to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoy the show, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you next week.